We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On yesterday's show, I discussed the word happy holidays and what it really means, its etymology, its origin, its definition. Today, I will discuss the word Merry Christmas. And I hope to give you something to believe in. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's rebellion. Now, if you listened to yesterday's show, you know that my topic was the word holiday. And I spent the entire show discussing with you the definition, the meaning, and the etymology, the origin of the word holiday. And my entire program focused on what I consider to be the irony. The irony that the secular leaders among us, the presidents of Target and Starbucks, for example, are telling us that we can't use the word Merry Christmas, the two words Merry Christmas. You can't say Christmas during this Christmas season because the word is too religious. It's too Christian. And we need to stop saying that because it's not inclusive. So we're going to exclude Christians. We're going to offend Christians in order to be inclusive and non-offensive. Again, duplicity and hypocrisy of the progressive mind on full display here. So these brilliant folks have come up with this idea. Let's tell people not to say Merry Christmas. It's too religious. Let's tell them to say Happy Holidays. Now the, (laughs) the clear irony that I pointed out in yesterday's show is this. Holiday, is that a less religious word, a less sacred word than Christmas? No. Again, the origin, the definition, the meaning of the word holiday is obvious. You break it down into two words. Holiday is made up of two words, holy and day. And the word holy is obviously a religious word. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Oh, silent night, Oh, holy night. We sing that song on this time of year. So the word holy is a religious word, and it is part of the word holiday, holy day. I argued yesterday that even the word day has religious significance because human beings among all of creation are the only things, the only creatures, the only part of all of creation that understands the concept of time. Your horse doesn't understand time. Your horse doesn't sit around and think about yesterday or today or tomorrow. Your dog doesn't do that either. Nothing else in all of creation understands this concept of time, past, present, and future. Nobody else talks about the days, days gone by or the days yet to come. So I would argue even the word day has religious significance. 
because it is evidence that we are made in the image of God and that his thumbprint is upon us. And we understand these concepts, the concept of the present, the future, and the, and the idea of eternity, because that is all grounded in this, this issue of time. So yesterday I argued that holiday is just as holy, just as religious, just as Christian as the word Christmas. But in today's show, I'm going to break down the word Christmas. And I'm going to, at least it's my prayer, it's my hope, I'm going to argue that this whole idea of Christmas gives everyone something to believe in. Let's take a break, and when I get back, we'll discuss the etymology, the origin, the meaning, the definition of the word Christmas. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. I'd like to take a walk down memory lane right now. I'd like to go back to 1990. I guess I'm showing my age a bit here, but I want to I wanna revisit a song that was on the top of the charts back in the year 1990. It was a song by a rock group named Poison, a group that we don't discuss much any longer, but they had a hit song, and the title of that song was Something to Believe In. Apparently, this group was feeling the desperation and the despair and the uh, sorrow, the confusion that exists in every human mind and every human soul as we wrestle with the reality around us. War and famine and disease, pandemic, if you will, all of this stuff was on the minds of this group, and whoever wrote the song penned it in such a way that I want you to listen to it right now. Listen to the words, listen to the lyrics. I'm not going to play that much of it, but just a bit. Here you go. So there you go. The group Poison, 1990, something to believe in. Again, the point of the song, that in America, in every nation, we need something to believe in. Every human heart wants something to believe in. And the song hit the top of the charts in the 1990s, I believe, because it resonated with something in every human mind, heart, and soul, that we, uh, we don't live in a meaningless, random uh, materialistic reality. Uh, the song struck a chord because we all yearn, hunger, have a thirst for something, something out there to believe in. And what is the Christmas season all about? It's about, it's about believing. It's about believing in 
the evangel, the good news, the gospel, the message of God, the message of Emmanuel, God with us, of peace on earth, goodwill toward men, of joy to the world, the Lord has come. We all need, I would argue, something to believe in, something more important than just ourselves. Um, I would say that a person without God is a person who believes that he is God. I've talked about it before. A vacuum is always filled. If you kill God, you will fill the void with yourself as God. Nobody, nobody out there, nobody listening to me right now, no human being can live without meaning and purpose and definition. If there's no God, you will always create one. And the problem is that we make very poor gods. You and I make for very poor gods. If all you believe in is yourself, then it's pretty vacuous. It's pretty lame. It's not really something worth believing in. Um, it, it, to quote Chesterton again, of all the horrible religions, the most horrible is the worship of the God within, unquote. That's G.K. Chesterton in the early 1900s, some 90 years or thereabout before poison, penned its lyrics and sang its song, something to believe in, arguably. Chesterton is a little bit more deep and intellectual and theological than Poison. But I think we're both, they both, were making the same point. We need something to believe in. Inside the heart and soul of every man and every woman is a desire to believe in something. We all want to believe in something. Pascal called it the God-shaped vacuum in every human heart. But there's something about vacuums. I've talked about it before. The vacuum and its basic principle of physics is this, that if there's a vacuum, like Pascal discussed, it'll always be filled. And if you don't fill it with the real God, you're going to fill it with a fake one. You're going to fill it with one that looks an awful lot like yourself. And here's another thing about voids. You'll either fill it with your own choices, your own decisions, or someone else will fill it for you. There's no such thing as, as moral or ideological neutrality. None of us just live out there in perpetual neutral. That doesn't exist. All vacuums are going to be filled. So even though these high priests of post-modernity, these CEOs and presidents of Target and Starbucks, and even our government officials who scoff at Christian values and Christian morality and tell us to stop using religious terms, even though we're celebrating a religious holiday. We're celebrating a holiday that's grounded in Christianity, and they don't want us to talk about the spiritual reality of Christmas. They just want us to focus on the material, the money, if you will. Oh, they don't have any problem with us pumping money into the economy, but they certainly don't want to infuse the mind and the heart and the soul with good ideas, ideas about God being God rather than them reigning over us as little gods. So these high priests of post-modernity, they scoff at the thought of something being beyond the here and now, something being bigger and better than the material and the temporal. Um, they don't want you to go there because when you do, that disempowers them. But I want to I want to focus right now on your ability to choose. You can choose. You can choose to ignore the lie and embrace the truth or you can choose to imbibe the lie and live in a fairy tale land. You can choose what to believe. 
that's the beauty of maturity. I talked about this in my book, Grow Up. When you grow up and start thinking like an adult, you gain more and more freedom in your maturity. You recognize the paradox of liberty and law, freedom and fences. You, you start to understand that the more you discipline yourself, the more freedom you have. And the less disciplined you are, the less free you are. You, you realize that human beings have freedom and that freedom is a summum bonum. It's an ultimate good. You can think independently without being force-fed someone else's viewpoint. You can believe or you can disbelieve. It's a matter of choice. You can believe in freedom or you can believe in control. You can believe that God is God or you can believe that you are God. This is the nature of being a human being. You can believe in objective purpose and meaning or you can believe that nothing has purpose and meaning. Do you get my point? An adult can start choosing what you believe. And even Jesus told us this. He told his disciples how to find purpose and meaning and peace. He didn't say that was going to be forced upon them, forced fed to them. He didn't say that that's the uh, marker of immaturity. He suggested that it's the marker of becoming an adult. He said this, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, make a choice. Don't be troubled. Don't be confused. Don't 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 sit in a stupor. Believe in something. Believe in something more than yourselves, your troubled hearts. Believe in God and believe also in me, Jesus Christ. That's what he said. There's a peace that comes from believing in something. And in the last days before the crucifixion, Christ prepared his followers for what would come by reminding them that what they believed in would help them endure the crisis. The last couple years have been a crisis, and a lot of us are wanting something to believe in so that we can endure the crisis that we find ourselves in. And the crisis we've been in may be nothing in comparison to the crisis yet to come. We, we have no guarantee that the material is going to get better. It may not. But... Jesus reminded, he summarized in his basic question. He asked, who do you say that I am? In other words, who do you believe in? Who do you say that I am? Who do you believe in? Another way to ask the question is, do you believe in Christmas? Do you get my point here? What do you believe in? Do you believe in Christmas? Because the reason I ask that at this time of the year is that Christmas brings us back to a place where we are reminded of the hope of every generation, of every man and every woman in the history of humanity. We're reminded through the story of Christmas of what we yearn for in our hearts and our minds and our souls, and that is peace on earth and goodwill toward men, of joy to the world, of silent night, of holy night, of the first Noel. When you say Merry Christmas, you are not simply expressing a pleasantry. You're, you're, you're talking rather about a worldview. You know, it's not just a Merry Christmas. Think about it. By saying Merry Christmas, you're reflecting on a belief system, a, a belief that is central to who you are. 
Here's the message of Christmas. Over 2,000 years ago, the world was suffering in crisis, much like we are right now. I've talked about this before. It was a cold, dark winter. There was civil unrest. It was rampant across the Middle East. Western civilization was crumbling under the weight of moral decadence. Rome, the power of the Western world, was wielding a sword, and Israel, the one that was being quarantined, sequestered, the one that was under the foot of Rome, was trying to rebel. They were picking up sticks. They were rebelling against government authority and the arrogance of the oligarchs. Fear was killing freedom, and terrorism existed, and it was defeating trust. It was a mess. The world was a mess. Nothing's changed. It still is. Even in the midst of the calm of what was called Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, there was this cloud of impending doom over all of Western civilization. And we feel the same way today as we watch CNN or even Fox, or as you read the newspaper or even leave it, listen to this show. You, you kind of feel, feel that same chill in your bones, don't you? Despair. You want something to believe in. You, you, you hear of your friends uh, committing suicide and getting counseling and therapy, and feeling depressed, and at loss. There's, they sit in their basement playing video games and looking at porn. They have nothing to believe in. They just want to entertain themselves. It's kind of like Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. They want to go to work and then come home and watch their feelies. That's what Huxley called them in Brave New World, the technology where you watched your little porn and then take your soma, again, Huxley's words, your drugs, your alcohol, or your weed, or whatever it is that you use to dull your mind and soul, because you don't want to think about the futility of life. It's disturbingly dark, isn't it? Fearful, and you shiver, and you want to shelter yourself against the nightly news. Like uh, C.S. Lewis's story I read to you a couple days ago, it says, if it's always winter, but never Christmas. But here's the thing. In the midst of all of this, and this is a historical fact, this isn't a fantasy, this isn't just fable, this isn't, this isn't just a children's story, this is stuff of the news 2,000 years ago. Reality, not just imagination. Angels came to the hills of Bethlehem and they said, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, and unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And on that day, the coldness of human existence, the winter, if you will, began to melt away, and Christmas, Christmas, people, Christmas sprang alive in a stable under the stars. And the human race was challenged to believe. It had something to believe in. You were called upon, we were called upon, all of us were called upon and challenged to believe in Bethlehem, believe in the Bible, that it's true and not transient, that it's inspired and not constructed, that it's accurate and not relative. Believe in the Bible, believe in practicing wisdom. Too often our actions fail to match our words. What does wisdom mean? It means following the wisdom of God rather than your own foolish foolish, contrived, and constructed lies. 
Uh, be a man and woman of integrity. Work out your faith with fear and trembling, not as though you've already attained perfect faith, but if you love God, if you love Christ, and if you will obey him, you will see the reality of the true God rather than the fake and false ones. Uh, believe in truth. That's something else you can believe in. I've said you need to believe in Bethlehem. I've said you need to believe in the Bible, that it's true and not transient, that you need to believe in God's wisdom, not your own foolishness. Well, believe in truth. Believe in the logos, the, the Tao. The T-A-O is how it's spelled. Pronounced Tao. The logos, the Tao, the natural law, the revelation of God. Understand that there are self-evident truths that no human being can deny. You need to believe in those truths. A revealed God, uh, not one that's constructed by man. Believe in the truths that are in objective and attainable, immutable and constant. Believe in truth because it's this truth. Jesus said he is the way, the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father but by him. Believe that truth gives salvation to the damned and freedom to the slave. You can rise up and be energized and be excited by this unapologetic pursuit of truth because you know that wherever it leads, you can be confident, confident, not cowering, confident in the words, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Again, the declaration of Christ. Rather than being uh, a victim, that's swept away by the relativism and the materialism of our day, believe in the truth. It's absolute. It's not constructed. It's not relative. Relativism is a lie. Uh, neutral ideas are a ruse. They don't exist. They do not exist. Every idea is going to lead in a given direction. Every idea is either good or bad. There's no such thing as a neutral idea. It's the belief in truth that protects you from the deception of the lie. And ultimately, here's my challenge in today's show. Believe in the logos, believe in truth, believe in wisdom, believe in the Bible, believe in Bethlehem, yes. Back to Bethlehem. Believe in Christmas. What's the etymology of the word Christmas? It's this, folks. It's Christ's Mass. I want you to believe, I challenge you to believe in Christmas. It's Christ's Mass. And if you're not Catholic, don't get distracted with that. Words exist for a, pur for a purpose, people. And for the first 1,500 years of the church, you wouldn't even ask that question right now. Well, isn't that Catholic? Christ's Mass. Chris-mas. Believe in Christmas. It's Christ's Mass, not Buddha's Mass, not Mohammed's Mass. It's not Harry Krishna's Mass. It's not Pelosi's Mass. It's not Biden's Mass. It's not Schumer's Mass. It's not even Donald Trump's Mass. It's not your Mass or my Mass. It's Christ's Mass. And you can commercialize it. You can homogenize it. You can politicize it. And you can compromise it all you want. But the bottom line is this. The word means something. Christmas, Christ's Mass, means something. And you can believe. It means that you can believe in the primacy of Jesus Christ, that he is the beginning and the end. 
He is the beginning and the end, the way, the truth, and the life, the great I am, the Word made flesh and dwelling among us, Emmanuel, God with us, your Savior and your King, your Lord and your God, Jesus Christ. The babe born in the manger is the line of Judah, and he's the Lamb of God. He's your Redeemer. He's your guide. He's your peace. He's your joy. He's your comfort. He's your life. He's your light. Believe. Believe in something. Believe in Christmas, Christ's Mass. Believe that Jesus is risen and incarnate, the Son of God, the Alpha and the Omega, the lens of all learning. Jesus is the lens of everything you learn, and he's the Lord of your daily life. That's a good place to be if you can say that with confidence and courage. Believe that Jesus is who he said he is. Believe in the statement, I am. Believe where Jesus said this seven different times in the Gospel of John, I am. What did he mean by that? I am. Not that I was, not that I will be, not that maybe I think I am. No, I am a confident declaration that I am eternal, the great I am, because that's the way God described himself to Moses and the Israelites. Jesus was equating himself to be God, and he said it seven times in the Gospel of John. I am. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. So you want something to believe in? Believe in Christmas. Believe in the primacy of Jesus Christ. Believe in the priority of Scripture. Believe in the pursuit of truth. Believe in the practice of wisdom. Here's another song. The Song of Songs. It wasn't sung by poison. It was penned by Solomon. Believe. Believe. See, the winter is past. The rain The rains are over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, and the season of singing has come. One more time, the Song of Songs by Solomon. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on earth. The the season of singing has come. Believe. You've got something to believe in. Believe in Christmas. Believe in God. Because you're not God. Believe in joy to the world. The Lord has come. Merry Christmas. I'm going to end today's show with this. Merry Christmas. It's Christ's Mass. It's Christ's gathering. It's Christ's meeting. It's Christ's celebration. It's Christ's gathering us into a group of people that are believing in the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man come to the Father but by him. Merry Christmas to all of you, and long live the true King. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.